Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Vegan Proteins Muscles by Brussels Radio. My name is Giacomo. And I'm Danny. And this is our 13th episode. You guys might have gotten spoiled over the past couple weeks where you had three episodes in a row because we missed that one week, but we're back to our bi-weekly shows, so maybe one day we'll have the time to do them weekly, but right now, we're sticking with bi-weekly. Yeah, it was, it was kind of fun, though, putting out one episode after another. I mean, I like I should talk, though. I don't do the, the sound editing. Yeah, I'm the one sitting in front of the computer for hours editing these so <laughs> yeah i shouldn't laugh about that so the last couple of weeks we did the new england veg fest which was in worcester mass and that was a great show there was a really good turnout there and they they do such a good job at that show i mean i think it's either a third or fourth time going out and not only have they expanded as far as the space goes the the attendees i mean there's just more and more people coming out which in and of itself is a good sign it's just a really exciting show to be at yeah, they do a really good job making it like a welcoming environment. And Giacomo and I were really honored to be two of the speakers for the show. And it was great. There was a full house and we talked about, you know, vegan athletes and what it means to build muscle as a vegan. And people seemed really, really interested in it and, you know, shocked kind of that that's a thing. So Yeah, it was pretty well received. And I think this for us, I mean, going to any veg fest and having the chance and the opportunity to talk to people, that in and of itself is an honor. So here's my first ever shameless plug. Uh, I released my first ever ebook this week, and it's all about flexible dieting as a vegan. I know that that, you know, that's what Giacomo and I believe in. That's what we do. That's what so many of the athletes that I coach do. And people have a lot of questions about it. And even if you get the concept, not very many people understand how exactly they should do it for themselves. So I wrote a 100-page ebook that just step-by-steps you through how to figure out your own macros, how to hit those macros, how to time those macros around your workouts, et cetera, et cetera. And so far, the feedback's been really good that it's user-friendly and really accessible. So if you're interested at all, that's a thing, and you can check it out at veganproteins.com. Another thing we wanted to tell you guys about today is to check out nonewanimallab.com. So right now, the University of Washington has just invested $123 million on building a new animal research facility. And it's just ridiculous where animal testing labs are shutting down all over the country because people are realizing that, one, they suck, and two, they're not nearly as helpful as people think they are because animals are not humans. And it's just absolutely ridiculous that uh, in a place as progressive as Washington state that they're thinking about building that they're spending so much money like an insane amount of money on building a new animal testing lab and we're very far from the Pacific Northwest at this point but there's a great group of people out there working really really hard to stop this from happening so if you could check out nonewanimallab.com and just check it out see what maybe you can do to help stop this from happening that would be so awesome Thank you. So today we're going to be talking about a topic that I see a lot on the internet and I get a lot of questions like this and it's basically to the tune of, well, I'm eating X number of calories every day. Why am I not losing any weight? And there is an actual answer to that question. There is a logical answer to why that happens. And along with that, we're going to be talking about people who are dieting or working towards a specific 
physique goal and then they reach it and then it's like, well, what do I do now? So we're going to be talking about, you know, reverse dieting, which we will get into explaining that a little bit later and sort of why people get stuck and can't keep losing weight. And I think you have to look at the the root of how people go about attaining these physique-based goals, right? You have uh, people who are looking to lean out and they wind up dieting down, eating fewer, fewer overall calories. And as their progress stalls, they eat less and less, figuring that that's the way they got there in the first place, then they just need to keep eating less. And then, of course, there's the afterward, you know, after... And then, of course, there's after they hit their goal where they're like, all right, well, I'll just be good now and, and maintain this and, you know, go somewhere afterwards. But looking at it in very simplistic terms like this isn't necessarily um, the best way to do it. I mean, there's so many more layers that we need to dig into to make sure that, that this is done right. And I mean, at the at its very core, what you just said is true. In order to get smaller, you need to eat less and to get bigger, you need to eat more. So that is true, but a lot of people take that at face value and just, you know, keep either hacking away at their calories or just tacking on to their calories. But for the purpose of this podcast, we're going to be specifically talking about losing weight, not building anything. So let's talk about what happens when you diet. And I'm talking about anybody. I'm talking about whether you do it smart or you do it dumb. This is what happens to your body. So when somebody comes to me and they say, I'm only eating 1,200 calories a day, why am I not losing weight? I mean, this is so, so, so common. You hear it all the time from people. I'm only eating this much and I'm exercising five days a week, but nothing is happening. Well, why is that happening? So a term that gets thrown around a lot in the fitness community is starvation mode. Like, oh, well, you're not eating enough, so you're going into starvation mode. And I kind of loathe the term starvation mode, honestly, because it kind of sounds like there's a switch in your body that gets flicked and suddenly you're in starvation mode. But I understand what people are trying to convey when they say starvation mode. Anytime you're dieting, anytime you're in a caloric deficit, whether that's small or large, you will, your body will respond in many ways. The degree to which it responds depends on how steep that deficit is. But some things that happen are your metabolism actually adapts to your lower calories by doing things like keeping your body temperature a little bit lower, lowering your energy a bit, slowing down your digestive process, increasing your cortisol, decreasing some of your hormones like T3, testosterone, leptin. So basically, as you go into a caloric deficit, so many of your body's systems start to slow down. And the term starvation mode basically comes from the idea that your body doesn't care. Your body cannot differentiate between you wanting to see your abs in a bathing suit and you not having food because you're in a famine. So what your body is doing is trying to protect you and keep you alive by slowing everything down so that you can stay alive on very few calories. So it's actually your body finding a way to use the fewer calories that you're giving it as efficiently as humanly possible to keep you alive for as long as possible. And of course, the longer that you put your body in this position without making changes for your body to respond differently, 
the the more and more intense it's going to get. Yes, I mean these these are uh, these symptoms, these effects of a caloric deficit will just keep getting more and more intense the longer you're dieting. Which is why this idea of, oh, well, I'm not losing weight. I'll just cut more calories. I'll just cut more calories. I'll just cut more calories. Will you lose weight? Probably. Will you lose weight as efficiently or optimally as you could? No, not at all. Because weight loss is not linear. You're not going to keep losing at the same rate because your metabolism and your body's functions and systems are slowing down more and more and more and more as you keep going. So the term starvation mode, I don't really like it because these things will happen even if you are in a 100 calorie deficit, which is like nothing. That's a very small deficit, but these things will still happen to a degree. So it's not like a a switch is flicked or anything like that. This is your metabolism adapting to what you're throwing at it, which is fewer calories. So I prefer to call it metabolic adaptation. It's not necessarily metabolic damage, which is another really common term for this, metabolic damage. It's not. Your metabolism is actually responding the way it should be responding to lower calories by adapting. So whatever you want to call it, this is what happens. And this is why you reach a point where your weight loss or your progress has, I don't want to say it's stopped because your progress, as long as you're in a caloric deficit, your progress will not stop. You will keep losing, but it will slow down significantly. And because it has slowed down so much, maybe the calories that you were eating to stay in a deficit before, that's no longer a deficit. That's now your maintenance level. So, you know, your, your maintenance level of calories will change as one, you lose weight because a smaller person will burn fewer calories than a larger person. So let's say you lose 10 pounds, your maintenance level is going to be lower simply for that and nothing else. And also because your systems are slowing down and you're burning less. You have less thermogenesis, so your maintenance level is dropping there too. So this is why you can't just plug your numbers into a calculator and be like, this is my maintenance level. This is my deficit level. I will eat this and I will lose weight because your body is constantly changing like minute to minute. So, so that was a really long winded explanation of why you reach a point where your progress slows down significantly. (laughs) What do you mean? I'm the one that tends to ramble. (laughs) Anyway, I think what Danny's basically just trying to say is that the, the longer, that you diet down, you know, the, the more of a chance your progress is going to stall and, and you need to inevitably make some changes. And you also need to be aware of your body's changes if you're going to come out of it um, in, in a way that, that helps you instead of hurts you. So I'm sure some people are like, well, if I'm not supposed to just cut calories, what am I supposed to do? And I would suggest going back and listening to one of our previous episodes that's called... 10 fat loss tips for vegans because that talks a little bit more about like how to implement refeed days and like cyclical dieting that helps you bring all of these slowing down processes back up a little bit so that you can keep progressing without just hacking away at your calories so that's a whole big topic that I don't want us to get into right now but there is a lot of information on it on episode seven so I guess the question is what should somebody do when they find themselves in this type of situation If you find yourself in a situation where you feel like your progress has completely stalled and you don't understand why because you're certain you're, you're, you know, you you say you're eating X number of calories and that should be a deficit 
First thing I would do is make sure you're tracking everything that you eat because most of the time when people say, I'm only eating 1,200 calories or something like that, when, they are, when you actually look at what they're really eating, it's significantly more than that. And that makes sense because when you've been dieting for a long time, you are just way more likely to overindulge. So you may think you're eating a certain amount. You may be eating more than that. So that's the first thing that I would take a look at. I, I think n- not to dig into the psychological aspect, but I think it's really hard for people to be real and honest with themselves when it comes to tracking any of their data. So, but it's, it's, believe me, it's much better to know exactly what you're doing and to be aware of it because that's the only way that you're going to be able to make changes and adjustments. To yeah, it's very true. Anyhow. The second thing I would do is if you do take a look at it and you realize, nope, that's exactly what I'm eating and I'm still exercising and I'm getting enough sleep and my stress isn't that bad, I don't know what's going on, um, it's probably time to stop dieting. You've probably dieted too hard for too long. Your metabolism has slowed down to a point that dieting is no longer going to be beneficial for you in any way. And I have, I see so frequently people, oftentimes women coming to me saying, I have been trying so hard to lose weight. I have been eating, you know, most of the time it's like a scary low number of calories. I've been eating a thousand calories a day. I work out every single day. Nothing is happening. I need to lose five pounds of fat. My advice as a coach is let go of that idea of losing five pounds of fat. You cannot diet your way out of a slow metabolism. It's not going to happen. You are not going to be able to focus on fat loss while you fix your metabolism and get that working efficiently again and increasing your metabolic capacity and eating more food. You're not going, it is very, very, very rare that you are going to be able to lose fat while you work yourself back up to a healthy metabolism. So that's something that you need to let the idea go right then. But you have to look at the big picture. What is more important to you? Losing five pounds of fat or having a healthy body? Because that's what it is. Well, you know, on the flip side, in addition to having a healthy body, while you may, might not be losing fat, getting yourself out of a caloric deficit, by getting yourself out of a caloric deficit properly and gaining fat, you can gain way more muscle than fat, which in turn, believe it or not, will give you a much better look or in other words, body composition. So, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And the other, the other thing I'm thinking about is the fact that, you know, for a lot of people, when you tell them, when you get real with them and you tell them, hey, Maybe you're not at a spot. I know that you wanted to to have you to have this certain look by this certain time, whether it's for a competition or whatever. Um, you shouldn't be doing it right now. That's a very tough pill to swallow. And I think, as far as I um, look at it, it's a matter of perspective. And this is really important here. People really have strong attachments when it comes to physicals to achieving one goal, one look for one day or for one period of time and it's rebounding and back and forth and back and forth you know that's the way people look at it and for us I feel like it's more about gaining a fundamental understanding of having a body that you can be proud of for the long term and that those results will be sustainable and they will improve over and over and over if you just look at the big picture people that come to me and I they're just not in a good place They're not in a good place to be dieting at all. And when you tell people that, that's not what people want to hear. 
you know, they want you to f- make them lean and fit and sexy by summer, no matter what. And f- sometimes that's that's not what you need to be focusing on. And, you know, a lot of people will you get turned off by that and they'll go find somebody who's happy to starve them to death. Um, but that's not me. So, you know, again, you cannot diet your way out of a bad metabolism. You can't. So if you're in a place where your metabolism is unhealthy and you don't understand why it's working the way it is, take a step back. I mean, how hard have you been dieting? How long have you been dieting? Um, It may be time to work yourself out of that. Yeah. All right. Well, the next thing to look at are those people who have reached their goals. I mean, let's take a look at competitors, for example. Uh, For this conversation's sake, we'll take you know, a a physique competitor of some sort, whether it's a bodybuilder or a bikini athlete, for example. Now, these these individuals have dieted down, um, and regardless of how they got there, the the fact of the matter is that they got there. Intensely dieted down. You need to remember that. That's not like your average Joe Schmo dieting. That's intense dieting. So, I mean, that in and of itself is a major accomplishment um, to to their willpower and their ability to continue down this road of fitness as a lifestyle, not just as checking off a competition on your bucket list. But how do these people, you know, how do you continue to do this? So when talking about competitors, I mean, you you can talk about anybody who's reached their physique goal, but um, to talk about the extreme side of it, we'll talk about competitors for a minute. Competitors are, they're jacked up by the time they step on stage. It's not something a lot of people want to talk about, but their insides are jacked. Um, And by jacked, I mean their cortisol levels are through the roof. Their testosterone levels are in the toilet. They have no energy. They're dreaming about food all the time. They're freezing, freezing cold all the time. Am I making this sound like a lot of fun yet? Very, very cold, moody, sleepy. Uh, I could keep going. Anyway, the point is... This is, these are all signs of their systems being slowed down so, so, so much and just trying to preserve as much energy as humanly possible. And to a degree, anybody who reaches their physique goals, if your goal is to get leaner or lose weight or whatever, they're going to have these to some degree. So you reach your goals, you're happy with yourself, but this is not a state you can maintain. You do not want to continue eating at a caloric deficit, but You've also worked really freaking hard for this body, and you don't want to lose it overnight. So, what do you do? Well, here's the hard part, because believe it or not, you know, how Danny was mentioning that it took uh, an extreme amount of intensity to get there. To maintain and keep that body afterwards is actually going to be even harder. Yes, So what we're going to be talking about now is actually called reverse dieting. And I believe that it was our coach, Dr. Lane Norton, who coined this term reverse dieting. And it's specifically how to get out of these situations where you've been dieting. You don't want to be dieting anymore. But what do you do? You also don't make it like your diet never happened, which is what happens to most people. Competitors being on the absolute worst end of that spectrum. There was that one time the night after a bodybuilding show when Giacomo gained 28 pounds, folks. He gained 28 pounds overnight. I saw it with my own eyes. Why did this happen? 
aside from the the water fluctuation after the competition, at this point, from you know getting ready for the show, my like Danny was mentioning, my you know insides were shutting down and preserving as much energy as possible. And what did I do after the show? Uh, I he went, ate his face <laughs> off. Yeah, pretty much because I was you know. Right, that was it. I hit my goal, and I'm like, all right, time to celebrate. I'm going to eat all the things that I wanted to eat when, when I was hungry, getting ready for the show, with no regard. And basically, because his body was, you know, had slowed down so much internally, he was primed for fat storage. So think about it. All of your fat storage hormones are really, really high. Your fat-burning hormones are super, super low. Your hunger hormones are way up. Your fullness hormones are basically non-existent. You know, that one night of binge eating, because that's, I mean, essentially, that's what it was. It's, you're not going to gain the normal amount of weight from that. Your body has actually shifted to a point where it utilizes calories more efficiently. So instead of eating, you know, 5,000 calories, your body feels like it just ate 8,000 calories or something like that. I mean, those are not exact numbers, so please don't take that. But basically, your body is using calories more efficiently than it was before, so you're primed for fat storage. This is obviously not a good thing, especially when you've been working so hard to get to a goal. I mean, you basically looked pregnant the next morning. But I mean, it's just one day. How much damage could it possibly do having one day? Right, and that's that's what everybody says. And when you say it, it sounds perfectly reasonable, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, almost anybody who has been in this situation and ended up eating a ton for the next day, which is most competitors have been in this situation at one point or another where the day after your show, you just eat all the foods that you missed this whole time. And honest to God, that one day wrecks you. It wrecks you. It can undo, you know, eight weeks of dieting overnight, overnight. And this is why stepping away from the competitors for a second this is one of the many reasons that so many people who diet in America for a competition, not for a competition, just for their wedding or a vacation or just to be fitter. 85% of people gain that weight back within a year. And sometimes even more. And some people gain back more. And it's because, you know, what do you do once you reach your goal? Reverse dieting is doing the exact opposite after you've hit your goal, which is basically, you know, how you were slowly decreasing calories to reach your physique goal. Now you'll be slowly adding calories. And the reason for this is similar to, you know, what we were talking about as metabolic adaptation, the same way that your metabolism adapts as you diet down, your metabolism adapts as you increase calories. So what this means is that you're able to add in more food slowly, and because your metabolism is adapting, your body will not change nearly as much as if you were to just, you know, bump your calories back up to what it was before when before you started dieting. You do that, you're guaranteed to gain a bunch of weight back almost instantly. But if you do it very, very slowly, and I can't emphasize that very enough you can maintain a fair amount of leanness while increasing your calories. And you wind up being in as good, if not even a better position than when you started, when you were getting prepared for, to reach a goal. 
Yeah. Whether it's as a competitor or, you know, whatever. Absolutely. And I mean, that's, that's the goal, right? I mean, it's not, it's to have a better, uh, have a sustainable physique and body. And, and be and, eating a sustainable amount of food. Yes. I mean, isn't, yeah. <laughs> so how does one go about reverse dieting? How much food should you add back in? Very, very little. And over time, I mean, we're talking as little as 50 to 100 calories every time you're adding food. Yep, that sounds about right. And mostly these additions, if you've been dieting down correctly, you likely kept your protein fairly high. Their protein probably didn't change very much while you were dieting, but your carbs and fats probably dropped significantly and so that's where you want to be adding them back in, adding them in in the form of carbohydrates and fats. I like to add one gram of fat for every five grams of carbs that I add in. You know, right after a competition, I would probably bump somebody up about 100 calories pretty much overnight, just right out of the gate. And then from there, check in every week or two weeks or so and see how, see how your body's doing. I mean, is your weight stabilized? Is your weight jumping up a lot? Because then I wouldn't add food. If your weight jumped up over a pound in a week, probably not going to add anything. If your weight's stabilized, then we can keep adding food. Bear in mind that we're looking at the competitor as a working model for how to do this. And by all means, you know, this is, it's an ideal way to do things. But, you know, there is some flexibility, just like, you know, you may have not been removing 50 to 100 calories at a clip to diet down to reach a certain physique goal if you aren't competing to be on stage. You can also be uh, equally as flexible, uh, basically, to reverse out of whatever goal you achieve. Well, I think basically what you're saying is the leaner you are, the slower you want to reverse out of it. The harder you dieted and the longer you dieted, which to me, competitors diet pretty hard for a fairly long time the slower you want to add calories in sounds about right yeah because your body is just more sensitive to those you know to fat gain and fat storage if reverse dieting is the key <laughs> to maintaining a, a pretty lean physique while eating more food why doesn't everybody do it because it's hard <laughs> it's hard and people are willing to work for that goal to achieve that look and after they've gotten it you know i mean it's like all right what next and a long-term goal is a little further out of reach it's it's a little harder to work for it's a mental it's a mental roadblock reverse dieting is reverse dieting properly is so 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 hard it is so much harder than dieting for a show believe it or not I know that sounds crazy because you're actually adding more food rather than taking away from it. But like Giacomo said, when you have a final goal of stepping on stage or going on vacation or getting married, you have that end goal in sight. After that, you just don't necessarily have that same willpower or dedication to control your food intake so much. So a lot of people just start eating, you know, whatever they want. They finally feel like they can have what the foods that they want and that they've been missing and you know I understand that uh reverse dieting is I don't think anybody ever really does it perfectly if they do I have I mean Giacomo and I are really really gonna nail this down this year but we were about 90 percent last year and even that was super super hard just so so difficult so I understand why not everybody does this and I understand why some people 
you know, they choose to right out of the gate, bump their calories up by about 200, 300, and then start adding calories slowly after that. But when you do that, you just need to accept the fact that there is going to be some initial fat gain. And some people are totally okay with that. They don't need to maintain a stage lean body year round. And, you know, I get that totally. And they don't want to be that hungry for the next month or two. So they add in more calories up front and then add them slowly afterwards. And that is still a valid way to reverse diet. It's just you need to expect there to be some fat gain right up front. So how do you know when you're when you're done reverse dieting and you've reached your maintenance level for now? Because like we've said a million times, your body's constantly changing and your maintenance level of calories can constantly change as well. Um, but generally speaking, I would say you've reached your metabolic, your current metabolic capacity, which is basically what reverse dieting is trying to increase. You want to be eating as many calories as possible without gaining weight. That's going to make any time you need to cut down in the future so much easier because you're not going to have to drop so low. But how do you know when you're done? Like, I don't need to add any more calories, you know. Basically, when you reach the point that you are gaining weight every time you add calories, that's usually a pretty good sign that you have reached and you are done. So if you're not looking to put on muscle you know, you're not looking to go into a building phase, you can stop right there. Just stop there, hang out there for a while and just monitor your body from time to time and see how it's going. You know, am I gaining weight? Am I losing weight? You know, every time your workout changes significantly, monitor from there. If you're looking to go into a building phase, by all means, continue reverse dieting as long as you want to. This is one of the best ways to make sure that the weight that you are gaining is muscle rather than fat because your caloric surplus is going to be so small. Yep, and the more muscle you build, the more calories your body will demand to maintain that muscle. So it's inevitable that you will want to eventually add something to your maintenance phase if you're exercising with the intention on building and maintaining your lean body mass because eventually, even if you want to stay where you're at, you're, you may you you will start losing weight. So if you want to kind of keep where you are, you might want to add a little if you start losing weight. Which is why it's so important to check in regularly. You know, it doesn't have to be every week, but every other week, once a month, just check in. You know, whether that's with measurements or photos or or just standing on the scale, even though you know the scale is just one tiny piece, it'll give you an idea of what direction you're going in at least. And to me, I like to look at reverse dieting as like a game, <laughs> like. Once you get past the first month or month and a half of reverse dieting, it gets a lot easier because then you're eating like a human amount of food again. But at that point, it's like, oh, oh yeah, how much food can I possibly get up to while maintaining this weight and this level of leanness? And to me, that was a lot of fun because I love to eat. I love to eat. <laughs> so, you know, I'm 5'7". I got up to about 143 144 pounds in the off season and I was eating somewhere in the vicinity of 26 to 2700 calories a day and it was awesome and it's made dieting down so much easier for the show so yep it's it's pretty exciting especially when you have been keeping track of your progress for a while you know for a year or more and you see how much you weighed and what your body looked like a year ago and then you look at yourself now and you're reversing out and you you find that you look even leaner and you weigh the same amount and you're eating more i mean that's pretty exciting i 
Yeah, to me, that's like winning in all the ways. Like, oh my God, I'm eating more food. I look better. My waist is smaller. I weigh the same. Win, 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 win. So although it is really, really difficult, and I can't overstate that enough, I have not had a client yet who's had an easy time doing this, um, self-included. It's definitely difficult. It is so very, very worth it if you've worked really hard to get to your goal and you want to hang on to it. You know, I mean, why work so hard for something if you're just going to let it go? Like as soon as you get there, it's worth putting the time in. And it's so important to have this plan in place before you get there. You need to have this plan in place before you get there. Because if you don't, it's going to be almost impossible to do from the get-go. So just to recap a little bit, starvation mode is not a real thing. What it actually is, metabolic adaptation, your metabolism is adapting to your diet as it should be, and you may need to adjust your calories or your exercise to be congruent with that. But if your calories are really low and nothing is changing and you've been dieting for a long time, it's time to stop dieting and focusing on your metabolic health. Yep, and no matter how hard or or how uh, little you're dieting down, it will happen. It's not unnatural. It's normal for your body to do that. And reverse dieting, even more important than dieting down for maintaining your goals and for the long term and to keep, keep the results that you've gotten. And although it's super, super hard, super hard, worth it. Totally worth it. It's like starting a marathon and not crossing the finish line if you don't reverse diet. You've reached a halfway point. Keep going. Moving on to our product review segment for this episode, which is for FitQuick Performance Protein Waffle and Pancake Mix in the pizza-style flavor, which, by the way, it's freaking awesome. So FitQuick is a line of high-protein pancake and waffle mixes. They have multiple flavors, which we carry at Vegan Proteins, but the pizza style specifically is one that I hadn't tried yet, and it is exactly what it sounds like. It is a high-protein waffle mix that has like some Italian seasonings in it, and you put it in your waffle maker. So you put half of it in your waffle maker, put the toppings you would normally put on a pizza on the waffle mix, and then put the rest of the waffle mix on top and shut it. So essentially, you're making a pizza flavored waffle that is stuffed with toppings and then once it's done you put your sauce and your vegan cheese or I put more toppings on top because I like toppings and it is so freaking awesome it's it's really awesome I mean it it held up especially well with the I mean the it didn't get soggy at all when you stuffed it with the toppings and adding the adding stuff on top so I mean it just it held the flavor it has great texture um, you know, I, I was, I was pretty impressed and it's not something I would have thought of necessarily to, to have uh, a waffle made out of. No. Well, that's why I hadn't had it is because they have other flavors like vanilla, choc- double chocolate brownie, Java chip. To me, when I hear those, I think, oh, that would be good in a waffle. But when I hear pizza style, I just, uh, I just don't go waffle in my head 
But um, Lacey Davis, I actually heard review this product on Holly and Lacey's podcast called Rise and Resist. It's a really fun one if you haven't checked that out. Um, and she was talking and she said something about, oh, I put the toppings in it. And I was like, hmm, interesting concept we have here. And then I looked at the package and that's actually the instructions. It's not just something like Lacey invented, which is what I thought initially. Um, it's designed to be like a pizza stuffed waffle that you put toppings on top of. And yesterday was a high carb day for both Giacomo and myself. So I had a little wiggle room to play with with my macros and I decided let's have a meal together, which is rare at this point. And we made those and I was just absolutely, I was just blown away by how good it was. If you think waffles shouldn't taste like pizza, you're wrong. They totally should. <laughs> so if you haven't given that a shot and you're a pizza person, um, totally check it out. It's really, really good. And the macros on it are fantastic. Who isn't a pizza person? Nobody. <laughs> exactly. And the uh, the nutrition facts on it are pretty good, too. Uh, let's see if I remember this correctly. is 4 grams of fat, uh, 20 grams of carbohydrates, and 22 grams of protein per waffle. And 7 grams of fiber. Yes. So, I mean, it's really, really good. So you can dress that up or down however you want, really, to fit your macros. I actually had it again <laughs> today, which is a low-carb day, and my... Low, my regular low-carb days, they're just pitiful. But I was still able to fit this waffle in there. I changed the toppings up a little bit. But, you know, even on a low-carb day, this was still something that was totally appropriate for me to have post-workout. And it was awesome. So it's both soy-free and gluten-free. So if you have any allergies, you know, it's still good for that. And it's super easy to make. You just mix it with a half a cup of your favorite non-dairy milk. Today, I actually even mixed it with water. Because, like I said, I don't have a lot of macros to play with on this day. And it still came out great, even just mixed with water. So, totally recommend it. Um, fit quick, performance protein mix. Lots of different flavors, but totally try the pizza one. Moving on to our Q&A. We have a question from Mark LaRoost. If there's still time for a question... It's how to meal prep on a budget. How to meal prep on a budget. Well, I'd be looking for foods that give you the most caloric bang for your buck and that are also somewhat easy to prepare. So a couple things that come to mind to me immediately are items like rice, beans, things that will keep in your pantry that are easy to prepare in large batches and that will last and give you a whole lot. I mean, you're going to get some carbohydrates and some protein out of that right there. You can also go and add some tofu to your meal prep. Uh, very cost-effective protein and tasty. And frozen fruits, frozen vegetables. There's a convenience factor there, which is great for meal prepping. And also, they're fairly inexpensive. Nuts and seeds, you can get more calories in that way. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are a great addition. Oatmeal. Oatmeal is such a great food that's so, so cheap, and you can do so many things with it. Um, bananas are usually pretty cheap. I think peanut butter, like Giacomo just said, is probably the best healthy fat source that's pretty cheap. You know, you get into the almond butter and the cashew butter and stuff like that, and it starts to add up pretty quickly. But peanut butter, you can get a good natural peanut butter that just has peanuts and salt as the ingredients for pretty cheap. Um, in some places, you can even get it in bulk. So Potatoes, too. Oh, God. Potatoes <laughs> and sweet potatoes. So good. So cheap. 
those are awesome. Um, as far as like a protein source goes, like a protein, protein source, a lot of places you can buy tofu in bulk. Um, so like obviously Whole Foods is pretty much the most expensive place you could possibly go grocery shopping. But if you get some of their like 365 brand tofu and buy it by the case, you get a 10% discount off that and it actually starts to become affordable. And as we've mentioned in other episodes, you can freeze that tofu and it gives it like a meatier texture and that'll make it last longer too. Also making your own seitan out of vital wheat gluten is such a great way to get a high, high protein food for so little money. I mean, it's a little time intensive to make it, especially when you're making it in big batches like we do, but it's absolutely worth it if you're looking to um, save save some money. Pennies. Pennies on the dollar for the, for protein. And it, it keeps really well, too. Next question is from Facebook, and it's an anonymous one. Embarrassing question here. Me and my husband are eating way more veggies now that we are tracking what we eat. We are now dealing with a lot of bloating and gas. Is there any vegan product you can recommend for this? Before, we would take Gas-X, but that's not an option as vegans. Thanks. So there are a few things that you can take to sort of alleviate that that are vegan. There's a lot of enzyme pills that people swear by to help them with digestive issues like that. Regularly taking a probiotic can be quite helpful. And then even simpler things like ginger, ginger tea calms down a lot of stomach issues. But uh, bigger than that, I mean, it's great that you're tracking your food. That makes me so happy. And it's great that you're eating veggies. But increasing the veggies slowly is probably a way to avoid this in the future. If it's, you know, if you try these other things and it doesn't seem to be helping, it may be a good idea to back off the veggies for a little bit and increase them more slowly than you did initially. You know, fiber is great. And we've talked about that before. But a lot of vegans have an issue of getting too much fiber. And that can lead to a lot of bloating and gas and even eventually constipation. Even though fiber is thought to like sweep through you, if you have too much of it, it can kind of do the opposite as well, which leads to the fermenting in the stomach and the gas. Yeah, I mean, you want to be able to use the food you're eating to your advantage and you don't want to be uncomfortable. Right. So increasing fiber slowly would be really, really helpful in the future. In the meantime, ginger, probiotic, and possibly a digestive enzyme would be good. Mm-hmm. Next question is from Twitter from at Barbell and Bananas. What time period post-competition is okay to relax the diet before getting back on track, like starting reverse dieting? Well, we kind of covered a lot of this in this episode, actually. But in my opinion, the night of your show, after it's over, go out and have a meal with your family you know, enjoy that meal, have what you want, do not binge. And then I would hop right back on track the next day. Like we talked about, even taking a full day off from your diet, first of all, that usually leads to binging for most people. So bear that in mind. You know, if you really and truly believe that you are the type of person who right after a competition can do all right with intuitive eating for a day, take the day. But I believe that to be an extremely small percentage of people that are capable of doing that. So I would suggest hopping right back on track the next day because your body is just so primed to do all sorts of things you don't want it to do the day after a competition, even more so if you played with a lot of factors like carbohydrates and sodium and water, did any sort of diuretic or anything like that. Um, You're just 
setting yourself up for failure if you take more than that evening off from your diet. And even like Danny said, to reiterate, you know, not binging that evening should be sensible, a sensible meal. Yeah, go out and have them, you know, go out and get a veggie burger and fries or something like that. I'm not saying you have to eat like the healthiest meal ever. I'm just saying go out and have a normal portion of food. uh, That's something that you want. Enjoy it. Enjoy the people around you and then move on and hop right back on track. I mean, if you really want to, if you really want to stay on track, if you're really serious about maintaining as much of your physique as you've, as you want, as you possibly can, then hop right back on the next day and start reversing out. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Vegan Proteins Muscles by Brussels Radio. Feel free to get in touch with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at veganproteins.com with any questions. We look forward to answering them. And if you enjoy listening to our podcast, please consider writing us a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to it. It really does help us reach more people. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. I'm Danny. And I'm Giacomo. And we will talk to you in two weeks. Bye.